turn it up. You're listening to the Marketing Millennials Podcast. I'm Emily Ferguson. And I'm Daniel Murray. Get ready, because we're taking you on a journey with today's marketing leaders and tomorrow's top stars. Let's go! No BS, just a fun, unfiltered industry conversation with the game changers behind some of the coolest companies from around the globe. The one request we tell our guests. Stories or didn't happen. A big welcome to our marketing fam. Prepare to turn them Welcome back to the Marketing Millennials Podcast. I'm joined with two special guests today, Chris Hunter and Sarah Gerardo. Chris was the founder of Hunter Super Tech, which he grew to a $10 million in revenue company, which he later sold. He also is the co-owner of GoTime Success Group and the co-author of the new book, It's GoTime, which gives insights and strategies to help your home service company succeed. He's also now the Director of Customer Relations at Service Titan. Sarah headed up digital marketing at Service Champions, heating and air conditioning, and now is the Senior Manager of Marketing Operations for the product team at Service Titan. Welcome both to the podcast, Sarah and Chris. Thanks, Daniel. We're excited to be here. Yep, super excited. I want to go dive into your background and I know both of you have different backgrounds is and how did you get into the trades industry and how did you like what was your the, the inflection point for that yeah I'll, I'll I'll take off going first here so for me the trades like most contractors to get started I didn't want to get in the trades I, I took air conditioning class as kind of a blow-off thing back in high school never thinking I would use it but lo and behold, life happens. And, you know, I had a had a, a child and went to work, you know, had to earn, I like to eat. So I had to go make some money. And next thing you know, I found myself into a really good program that was teaching electrical and mechanical, a course. So they put me through this thing and I went to work for AT&T as a, as a communications technician of all things. But then after 9-11, happened, they were going to lay off 10,000 people. And I was one of those 10,000, unless I could have passed this air conditioning test. So lo and behold, I'd actually taken that air conditioning course, was able to pass and the rest is history. It's kind of how I got in the trades by chance. <laughs> That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I uh, never thought about the trades at all. I was the director of customer service for a large alcohol retail store in California. And one of my uh, old coworkers went to Service Champions and I was actually on my honeymoon and he had messaged me and was like, hey, what do you think about, you know, maybe doing something with us at Service Champions Heating and Air Conditioning? And I was like, honestly, I never thought about it, but yeah, I'm in. And he was like, well, you could run the customer service department. And I was like, yeah, no, like I have a marketing background and I really want to do digital marketing for the trades and like change the industry. And so he took a chance on me and uh, I really appreciate what he did. And it's the trades have given me my passion, purpose and, and vision. And uh, I couldn't be more grateful to work for in, in the trades. That's awesome. Both of you have some great stories on this, like the trades industry. And we were actually talking about this before the podcast, but me and Chris and talking about how like 
it should be shined upon more people to get into the trades because it's actually a fruitful industry if you put your mind to it and you have a company. And Chris has a story about like how he grew his company and this podcast is, I want to have value on like how he did that and also how Sarah grew marketing at Service Champion. So I want to get into how do you start planning marketing for this industry like because this is the homeowners also this commercial side of it but we'll start the homeowner side like how do you plan to market to these homeowners well first off let me say this sarah is next level at this so what she was doing at service champions north was far advanced than anything that that i had done i, I was actually from small town america and i was an air conditioning tech you know that was really good at fixing air conditioners but didn't realize, oh my gosh, if you want to grow a business, you're going to have actually have to learn some things about business as well. So I had to go out on a, on a crash course of learning to just figure out what to do. But really what, what I learned and what Sarah is taking to the next level is it really starts with what the company goals are. So for me, I, I would start with, all right, what are we wanting to do? What do we want to accomplish? And then break that down into that means I'm going to need X amount of service calls. And if I'm going to need X amount of service calls, I'm going to have to generate X number of leads. And then that would kind of give me an idea of where we even needed to start. And then the next thing specifically for homeowners, especially coming from a small town, 25,000 people in, in my, my area. And it, it's an area where, you know, people trusted each other. So influence was very important to me. And I, I wanted to be wherever my customers were. So it was a lot of social interaction in, in the community as well, just trying to get to know who, who is my target market, where do they live, what do they like, why would they need my services, and start from there. That's kind of how I got started. Yeah, and I agree with Chris. It starts with the owner, and the owner has to understand his purpose, his vision, and his culture that he wants to create because that's marketing, right? It starts with your team. Your team, it's not the the air conditioner that you sell or the cool air scrubber. It's your team. It's the experience that you are promoting throughout your culture. And that bleeds into your flyers, your the way that you speak and really aligning your team with a common service language like that's the first step in marketing brand yourself brand your team create a great culture and then go out into the community and show up and i think like that's the the trades are all about leadership and mindset and that's where you start and then you just keep going and you be innovative and you take chances and you fail forward that's what i really love about trade marketing is it's changed drastically over the years. I love how you said it starts with your, your culture and your company because I did this wrong, Sarah, for a long time. And and I'm, I've mentored and got to, got to visit with a lot of other contractors that did as well. They they would uh, come to me and they would say, Chris, I, you know, that that marketing doesn't work. I just wasted, you know, $5,000 on, on this direct mail and I didn't get any leads from it at all. And then I would look at their branding and their team and I'd say, well, why should somebody call call you? Why do you think? And they couldn't give a very compelling answer. And if the leader or the owner couldn't do, do that, why? You know, their team's not going to be able to do that. And then I guarantee you the marketing message didn't resonate with uh, their target customer as well. 
therefore they didn't get the the leads they expected. So I love how you said that because that that is so true. Yeah. And the owner that I work with, you know, he came up to me one day and he said, who is Sarah Gerardo? And that meant a lot to me for someone to ask me that question, because that meant that like I needed to step up my game for the company and really find out who I was so that I could be a part of something bigger. And so he gave me a chance to be a part of something bigger. And that is how I wanted to continue to market and to be bigger for them. Yeah, it's really about the leader. It's really about leadership. That brings me to a good point. And what's cool about the trades industry is like you're helping people at a point where they're like have a a pain point right now. Like there is a, a need to fix something in their like in someone's home. And like especially like air conditioning or plumbing and stuff like that, where like your air conditioning is broken and it's a hundred degrees outside. So like how do you meet differentiate to be in that moment of like when someone's looking for a person to be to help them with this problem like where how do you show up at that moment for that person because like that's like the hard part that i'm just wondering for like contractors out there like how do you differentiate from like the if i look on yelp right now or if i look on go on google like there's could be like 15 people that can help solve this problem right now so what are like the differentiating factors of of that i mean it's all about your customer experience what do you want right you want to provide a wow experience no matter what and how are you going to get there and when you're and it starts with the marketing right it starts with the message that you put out to the world it's trustworthy it's authoritative it's not with words of platitude you speak with precision and power and passion in your marketing and it flows through your call script. It flows through how the CSR answers the call all the way down into the review that the customer leaves for you, right? Because we're, we're always putting keywords into our marketing pieces so that in the end, we want them to say that, yeah, we they were trustworthy on time and worry-free, right? That's your slogan. And so you just convey that message all the way through and it resonates. And so that's why they choose you because you resonate with them. You make yeah. an impact in their mind. Think about this. Nobody ever wants to call their air conditioning guy or their plumber, right? And when it breaks, it's always a bad time. They probably don't have the money for what they're fixing to have to work out. So it, it's stressful. You know, they that's the last thing they wanted to do when they woke up today. So my theory was as, a, uh, as an air conditioning contractor, I wanted to get in front of that. I wanted to speak to that message and how we take the stress out of it, how we're fast. We can be there quick. We're going to get you back to normal and get you uh, back on your way. We're going to make it easy to pay, you know, whether that was with financing or uh, some of our different things that we offered like that. We were going to find ways to keep you comfortable, save you money, and we were going to do it better than anyone else. So my plan was to get in front of that feeling that they were going to have, because we know that's the feeling they're going to have and put that message out there in our branding in our top of the mind. So when it does happen, they can automatically think, oh yeah, I'm going to call uh, the super techs. They're fast or, you know, they got finance and all these type of things. I wanted to be in their head before they even experience that pain. Yeah. You make a great point. You, you wanted to take the fear out of marketing, That's right? It. You wanted to, to take their fears and make them unrealistic because their fears are just fears. And once we move past that in marketing, it changes the dynamic and it changes the conversation. 
What I love about that I'm hearing about the this the trades industry and the marketing in it is like how important like brand is in the market. Because I think like at the start we were talking about like, okay, you have to think about how many leads are coming in. But like if you don't set the foundation of like what your brand is, like it doesn't matter how many leads come in. And if you don't have to set and the and brand is not only the foundation of like your messaging, your brand goes to the the experience you give your customers your brand is the way you talk on the phone call the brand is like your color scheme your brand is like like the words you put on paper like it's a lot of different things which i think is so awesome that like and that's like how you see it in like pretty crowded markets like you're gonna have to separate by brands and that's like like why does someone go with apple over samsung is because their brand they're not going after they, the product could be better at one side but if you don't have this brand and trustworthy reputation and community behind your your company like nobody's going to trust you so i love that about that but i want to separate like how do you balance like brand versus like i have to bring in like more leads that's the two caveat like you have to keep the lights on so how do you separate that in the marketing that's a great question because you're constantly branding no matter what, even if you are lead generation. And my goal, when I first started, everyone said, my own, the owner said to my VP, your job is to make the phone ring. And I was like, okay, but there's so much more to it, right? You direct mail used to be 60% of our business. It used to be bringing in the calls over and over, but then things changed. And so you constantly had to think of bigger and better ways to get in front of it. So you, we mapped out this great digital strategy along with TV and radio and truck wraps and all of this. And that brought in the leads in a different way. So even though those are considered branding, they became direct response as well because they're a whole part of your strategy, right? Facebook grew, what, 70% in March from April last year during COVID? Well, we went on Facebook and we went big. And it just continued the brand strategy and the strat- the marketing strategy and the future success that they are already having. Because I still keep track of them. You know, I love, I love service champions and uh, I want to see great success. You know, it's interesting too, Daniel and Sarah, that I, I know the company that acquired my company actually owns two similar companies in the same market. And, and they have two totally different strategies. One invests almost purely in branding. They do very little call to action, uh, any, any uh, pay-per-click, anything like that. The other does very little on branding, almost everything on pay-per-click and call to action. They're both equally successful, but, but one of them is a, uh, I hate to say kind of down and dirty, hey, we're just going to get there, we're going to get it done and we'll get it fixed and see you later. And the other one's kind of the, the wine and cheese experience and you know we're going to cater to you and we're in the community. So it's odd. They're, they're both successful in their own way. So I think this also goes back to defining what, what your culture is at your company as well. So I, I actually budgeted and I encourage others to budget. What are we going to allot for our branding efforts? You know, this is our vehicle wraps and our billboards and just our top of the mind stuff. And then what is our budget for our digital marketing strategy, our direct mail, all of these call to action things uh, like that as well. So as far yeah. as the budget split on that, 
I don't have a magic formula of what, what one does without the other because I've seen them both successful, even lopsided like I just talked about. So it's, it's anybody's game, right? It is. It's a, and it's a fun game to play. Let's be yeah. very, very real. It's a very fun game to play. I love to win. But at the same time, I've, I've spelled furnace wrong. And um, on an email to 17,000 people, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. At least they're responding. Like, there's your direct response for you. They're telling me that I can't spell. Well, so, uh, yeah, most definitely. I 100% agree with you. And it's all about where you're located, too. What yeah. works for me might not work for you. And we might not have the same audience and segmentation. You know, we sell through value, but we're a high price leader. Yeah. And it's a, the experience that we're selling. And so you have to have that confidence in your business and your culture that you can sell higher. Yeah, I agree with I, you. Try sending out an email like that with, with the wrong phone number on there. Whoo, that's a oh, good I've one. Done that. Yeah, guilty. <laughs> done that. Yeah. That, that's also why it's important to uh, have another professional or someone that's good with marketing and those type of things. And then someone that actually proofreads because uh, I did make that mistake uh, maybe even a couple of times. Oh yeah. <laughs> what would you say your most successful marketing channels were in both your companies? I'll say by far ours, you're probably going to laugh, but think, think again, like Sarah said, every market is a little different. I was in rural Oklahoma right? Where, you know, everybody, you see everyone at the football games and at Walmart, you know, and, and so our biggest and best bang for our buck by far was our vehicles. Think about it. I, I had 70 mobile, real, uh, you know, mobile billboards in these vans rolling around. And so that was, that was by far, we, and at the time, the vehicle wraps weren't a big deal in this area. Our market was very underserved. So when we came in with, you know, the nice vehicle wraps and our team was growing, that was actually our best uh, exposure source. Yeah, I agree. That and getting in with the community, right? Like that builds your brand. Like you should support, even if you don't have $500, like you have a heart. So go serve your community because that's what the trades are all about. And so really getting in there, letting them know who you are as a company and as a person and as a leader, as an owner. I think that's probably the best. For us, when I started and took over digital, 7% of our leads came from digital. And now they're over 60% of our leads are coming from digital. I so it. I can't tell you to not go into digital. I, I, like this is where it's at and this is where it's going. And so create the most beautiful funnel that you can ever create with digital. Keep layering it on with TV, radio, like other things that will influence the decision, direct mail, email, like all of those things will just influence the purchaser's decision. But keep in mind always that it is about math before marketing. You can waste your spend very quickly. So take the time to do the math and take the time to understand how each call is converting by, by job type and by business unit, because that matters. That tells your story of your company. That data is your story. This brings me to my next point is like, what KPIs do you look at? And like, how did you track KPIs? Because I think this is an important thing in the trades industry is that word KPI, like, and make sure you're tracking them. So like, how did you track them on the marketing side of it? Also, like, in general, for growing your business, like, what were the key KPIs you looked at? 
this is Sarah's wheelhouse. So she's, she's going to go in depth. Personally, what, what I looked at, and this is just one example of a KPI, was new customers. Um, the reason being is because our data showed that 70% of our income was from new customers in the first year. And 50% of that came within the first 30 days. So me, just as a high-level you know, business owner, hey, is, is what we're doing working? I was tracking those new customers, and that, that's why I was able to kind of gauge that. That was an example of one KPI. Sarah can take it to a much deeper marketing level and kind of blow your mind here. So I'm going to let her go from here. Yeah. So we, <laughs> I'm an analytic nerd, right? So I just like take the data and look at it from all perspectives. It starts with having a capacity planner and really looking at what do you want those technicians, your teammates to convert at? So marketing is about call capture rate. Marketing is about um, setting the lead to the uh, FSR, to the FSR, to the final conversion. It starts with a marketing piece, but it flows through the entire conversion path. And as a marketer, you need to know that. You need to develop scripts. You need to coach. You need to be there and handhold when they're having problems and opportunities that they're facing within objections and help them get over it because that's your job as a marketer is to, um, in the trades, is to really influence how the, the message. Yeah, I, I start at the basics. I, stop at, I start at the operations level. What are we going to do to get these goals? And an FSR is a sales or a comfort advisor. So it's a salesperson. But I started the I started at the top and then I worked my way down and, and through the journey of the buying purchase. And then for marketing, I look and make sure that my marketing expense to revenue or ROMS is what a lot of people call it, return on marketing spend, is profitable for the company. Because if the campaign's not profitable, then it's not going to do me any good. And I look at it at a cost per brand lead. Okay. Because you know, our owner said to us, he was like, Yeah, you're gonna your job is to make the phone ring. But at the end of the day, if we don't convert and if we don't run those calls, then we're not marketing efficiently. And if they don't have a good market expense to revenue, then we're not being profitable and it's hitting our bottom line. So, that, yeah, it's, uh, metrics are really important when it comes to marketing in the trade. That's why I, I kind of got a follow up question on that. So basically, a lot of contractors, myself included, marketing, you know, when we trust people, we hand over these dollars and say, hey go market, you know, and make something happen for us. And really, that's the only way we know. Are we getting phone calls? Are we growing in revenue? That what, what advice would you have for the business owner that works with the marketing partner as far as like, what should they be presenting to the business owner to show that, hey, these dollars that I'm giving you are actually working? Because honestly, I, I a lot of times didn't know, you know, I would, I'd pay it out. I don't know what they're doing with it. So what advice would you give, Sarah, to for a business owner to ask a marketing partner about the the data you're talking about? Yeah, well, I think it's the marketer's job to set the expectations of the data that they will present, right? Because we can go into data overload and the owners need a high level view of what's going on. So they always need to know the, we had a projected spend and then we have an actual spend. They need to know this. Like, what are the actuals by week? Are we going over budget? Are we not going over budget? Do we need more money? What campaigns can we pull quickly if we need more calls? Those high level details that we will give them and the marketed expense to revenue. Because at all times and at 
every week, we need to make sure that we're profitable. I would get down into the call capture rate because that's really important. If we have a problem in our CSR and our customer service department and they're not converting, then we also probably have a problem in capacity. So we need to make sure that our marketing is aligned with capacity. So if we don't have the technicians to run the calls, then we shouldn't be marketing as much because we're just wasting spend. And so having these high level details and speaking of them weekly, and my VP would speak of them daily, right? This is our stand-up. This is what we say. This is how many leads we have. This is how many memberships we have, you know, looking at our retention. There are some high level metrics that we give because we want transparency in our companies. And so that's the culture that we've developed is that, you know, yeah, I'm a marketer. I might be brand new to the trade, but let them know what they're spending. Let them know how you're spending it and let them know that you have thoughts behind it and you're being strategic and you're not wasting their dollars because it's not their dollars. It's your dollars as well. You act as an owner. I like it. That's super interesting. And I think, and I'm going to put my marketing ops hat on as well on this. And I think any business owner should do this is you should separate your your paid spend leads versus your earned spend leads as well like meaning like people who come directly to your site or come back and track it by campaign because i what happens a lot of time is you might think your marketing is working but you're actually getting brand leads coming in and people who already know about your business coming in and you might attribute that to your marketing going well but it actually is because your word of mouth and brand is actually really good so be careful of like be really cognizant of tracking paid versus like returning customers versus all these things and track it for those leads that come in because what happens a lot, and this happens in like all businesses that I've seen in the marketing, is that people will say, oh, look, my Facebook ads are working. And I'm like, if you look and also make sure that those Facebook ads, those leads are converting to a sale, like make sure there's a return on investment of those leads because you could bring in 10,000 leads. And if not one of them converts, you paid for just leads. Like you didn't pay for anything. So at the end of the day, like you need to separate those budgets out because I think like you don't want to screw up and say your your Facebook did well if it didn't convert into a sale at the end of the day or your direct mail didn't convert into a sale. That's why Chris made a good point too, is like it's also good to separate demand gen or like going after net new customers versus brand play because branding we'll bring in leads, but it isn't part of your like digital efforts. So you don't want to dilute your digital efforts versus your brand. That's just my two cents on marketing ops. Um, great. No, great yeah. advice. That's great uh, advice. Yeah. And, and it's fun because this year we've seen most of our existing clients and our membership clients actually take over our search, right? And our digital. And it's just because they are familiar with us, but they're doing their duty as a as a consumer and checking their reputation again and making sure that we are okay and then creating another conversion right so their double conversions are counted but at the same time like breaking out existing breaking out membership breaking out your customers and really knowing who they are and online and who's searching for you that's that's gold like you need to know this and if you're 
I think in the trades, we have a hard time speaking to our existing customers routinely, right? We want to, but we're so busy looking for prospects that we forget that we have this gold mine of data right in front of us in the CRM that we're using. And we need to sit there and reach out to them as, and talk to them and, and, you know, convert them again. And also Chris knows this for because he's part of this is one of the biggest revenue sources in any business. And I don't care what is word of mouth and referrals. Like, <laughs> And your existing customer base is where you dig that well. Like you don't dig it for net new prospect. Net new prospects will come from your existing customer base as well. So Chris knows this all too well at service time. This, this is how we gain a lot of business is like people refer people to use our software and that's the same thing at tracing that goes into your community building thing it's like you're in the community and they'd be like oh chris at hunter techs was in the community like he is his company you should use them anytime you you have a plumbing because he he's he's supportive like that is so key to like growing your business that people don't talk about and word of mouth is probably the most fruitful channel out there well, well daniel, daniel on that point right there so Every two years, we had a, a survey that was sent out to our customers and to all of the, the company. We were in a best practice uh, group. So this group would send it out to all companies. We would get the national data, and then we would also get our own markets data as well. And just for example, I just pulled it up. When customers were asked if they needed repair work in their home, what approach were they most likely to find the contractor? Well, 42%, this is in my area in the, in Oklahoma, 42% said they would call a friend or a coworker and 15% of them said they would make a, a post on social media. And then 30% said they would use the internet search engine. So I took that, that 42% thinking, man, if everyone is really asking their friends. I need to invest in the people right in the, in the community. Uh, and that's that's why I even hired a community ambassador. You know that that that's what their, their job was. You know they they helped me with marketing. But they also networked in the in the community to make sure that uh, we were very well known. Well, it's also true because I I know for a fact it's like me as a consumer. I'll put in my consumer hat is like if I have a problem calling up someone in my neighborhood and asking them who did you use to do fix your last problem and were they good or were they not good. So going to your point of like the experience side, like of that direct response person versus the branding, I could see the branding overtake them in the long run because when the sentiment in the market happens, when you say like, who would you use? And that person was quick, dirty, didn't give a good experience. Like that point in time when someone says, I used Hunter Tech, so I use this plumbing service like it, it's so key to like growing your business that you it's it's kind of even hard to track and that's why like that's why i make the point like you need to separate like word of mouth and referrals from your digital marketing play because it is so like that portion of your business needs to be tracked differently than how your digital marketing is tracked but what you're really building is reputation yeah. right you're building a reputation through your team and you're building a reputation through your through the community. And in the end, like I said, those keywords that you put out to the world, it's going to come back at you and it's going to come back at you with reviews and your prospects are going to look at your review because that's where they're and your existing clients. That's where they're going to start and that's where they're going to end. So make sure that your reputation is 
is uh, on par and ready to go and managed very well. Oh, that, that brings me to my next question, actually, is how do you build up your reviews and make sure like the sentiment is good in the markets? Because so like just knowing the market these days and this is everywhere is like people trust third parties and people to make decisions where it meaning like they'll go to Yelp to make a decision. They will go to Google local services to make a decision. They'll go to their friend to make a decision. So how do you maintain good reviews as a contractor? I know first and foremost, it starts with the the leader setting the expectation, right? This is, you know, when you, when you join, our company, this is what we do. And so anytime that I had an expectation, I would also try to align a compensation thing that aligned with it, as well as making sure I was measuring it and displaying it. Because we know that what gets recognized and rewarded uh, gets improved and done again, right? So it starts really with the system there. For example, um, I know a lot of really great contractors that they expect X number of five-star reviews. So let's say that uh, I go on Pulse. Well, they know that 50% of those should produce a five-star review. If they don't, that technician is not maybe following the process, which is providing the great service, asking for the review at the end. And then here's the big thing. This is where Service Titan shines right now, is making it very easy for the customer to give the review. And it starts with even how they do on the front end with you know the, the dispatch notifications, the things that we send out Heck, before the tech even gets there, they've already set a great uh, expectation for the call and it makes it really easy to get that that five-star review. Yeah, I think it's good. I think the leader sets the tone. The marketing message continues the tone through yep. notifications and dispatch and videos and, you know, the client interaction that you're having on the phone. And then, you know, in the trades, we're not afraid to ask. So don't be afraid to ask for a review. Ask for it in multiple ways, in, you know, silent ways, in big ways. Showcase your reviews. Showcase your team because your product is your team, right? And I think that's the biggest point is make the wins for everybody. Make the wins for your business because people want to be acknowledged. They love it and we they deserve it. And so I think that's really the key point is to when you get that review, you share it and you share it big. So the light bulb went off for me. We we would go to eat at our favorite restaurant every every Sunday after church. We would go. We love this place. You know, I mean, if anyone deserved a five-star review, it would have been them. And every time when we got through with the meal, they would hand me the receipt and say, oh, yeah, there's a survey on there. And if you'd like to give us a review, you can even get a, you know, a free dessert next time. So it was a very compelling offer. But guess what? I never gave a review. But then one time, our waitress came over and she said, I hope I've done a really good job for you today. I've worked really hard at it. And hey, if you don't mind, if I have done well, will you give me a review? Because this is how my boss knows that I'm serving well. And the light bulb clicked for me. I made a connection with her. And I thought, you know what? I'll I'll take the extra time then to give her the review because she did a good job. We love the place. But it was that compelling ask and making it personal that made me, the consumer, actually take action to give the review. So that's what we try to teach our technicians as well. And if they can pass that personal connection on, they're going to harvest more reviews. Mm-hmm. And we start the conversation early, right? With our marketing pieces, they have the authoritative badges of Yelp and all, all of these other great things. And then we continue the conversation on the phone call with the CSR. 
Well, oh, I'm so glad that you heard about us from Yelp. You know, did you hear about our, our special Yelp offer? You know, you can leave a review on Yelp once our, our, the job is completed. And then it starts the conversation, again, resonates with the mind and the script, and the technician speaks about it. The installers speak about it. The comfort advice, everybody speaks about it in the company. So you're right, Chris. Like, you just, you need to speak about it. It's important. I want to go into another subject of, like, what do you think most contractors are doing wrong in their marketing today? Like, what do you see that a lot of contractors are doing wrong that they could fix pretty quickly? I mean, I think everybody has opportunity for improvement, right? I I never say that things are broken and because everything can be fixed when it comes to marketing. Like, you're spending blindly, fine. Okay, let's start over. Let's pivot, let's adapt, and let's do it quickly, right? Like Like Chris says, take massive action. And your words matter, your thing, everything that you do matters. But if you don't take massive action and change and see what's going on in your business and you don't feel like you're profitable, that's fine. You have the ability to change every second, every day, every moment of every life, of your life. So go ahead and do that. And that's what I tell them. And I'd say, like, take the fear out of it for yourself because there's so much more out there that you can do as a business owner to really excel. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday. That's a great point. So I, I think. To, to follow along with that, two things really that I see uh, a lot of people do wrong. Number one, they're not doing it. They they just I mean, you, it sounds crazy, right? We we would never dream of that world, but believe it or not, there is a big portion of contractors that when you look at their P and L, their marketing line, their advertising line item is very little. So uh, number one, commit to doing it. So like you said, take take action on it, huh? The, the other thing is what I think a lot of people have what's called a um, kind of a brand Frankenstein. So they're saying one thing, but then they're delivering another and, and the two don't match up. And when that happens, it, it breeds distrust and people don't like, you know, I mean, so it, it's discombobulated. So I, I feel like having your, your values, your core values aligned with your marketing message is very important. Because if not, you'll have that brand Frankenstein and people will just be scared off by it. So those are the two kind of low level things that I see uh, a lot of. Yeah, I agree with you. That know your numbers. You know what I mean? Like you can't start a business without your numbers and know your people because your people are your passion and your people are your purpose and treat them well. Be kind. I think that's the biggest thing that I see can cause the breakdown when it comes to retention in the trades. We have high expectations. We have goals. We have high lofty goals. But in the end, never forget that your people are just people. That's it. Yeah. And we're in the people business. That's it. Well, I hate to add another one on here, but you just said it, the people. So knowing your target customer is very, very, very key as well. For example, I know one company down here in Dallas they're in the area where kind of by the airport where Boeing, you know, all these, uh, there's a lot of engineers. Well, they know their audience. They know where they live. They know that is the the personality profile and their marketing speaks to that audience. It's very detailed. We're going to do an analysis, you know, all, all the things that they do in their process and they've nailed it. They, they kill it. So if you don't know who your customer is, you'll shoot this wide old shotgun out approach at it and not get very good results. Yeah. Yeah. And you can ask your vendors, you can ask vendors that you haven't paid 
and they will tell you who your audience is because this has been done before, right? right? We're not innovators in anything that we do. There is someone else that has done it better than us and we learn and grow from others in the trades. And that's the, that's a real big key. Surround yourself with people that you want to be like, be like when you're an owner and learn as much as you can absorb as much as you can. And then once you learn, go teach others because that's our purpose. I think, I think you made a great point to us is, is talk like your customers talk and talk. Don't talk as, as a company talk as like your customer talk, use their language. Like Chris said with the, the engineers, like they, that, that company knew there was engineers in the area. They used engineering language. If you're in to know like how people talk in that environment, like in that neighborhood and use that language in your marketing, because the goal in marketing is not to be pretty. It's to be understood. Right. If you, if you, if you, if in any marketing is like, you fancy little one-liners that people say is not good. Like people just want to know what value you're putting in and they want to know in a, the simplest way, like how you're going to solve it. Cause just think in that moment when they're, there are having plumbing issues, like all they want to know is like, can you do what I want to do in the way that I want to do it? And if you put it in cute terms, like they don't, they, that message goes over their head. They just want it so simple. Right. Speak to speak. But the biggest win for the trades and what I found out is really storytelling. So we're, we're master storytellers. We even like just in society, just in general, we tell ourselves stories every single day, right? Of how I went to the fridge. Oh, today I went to the fridge, blah, blah, blah. I filled out this, like, that's a story. And so when I came to service Titan, I was like, Oh, like I was confused by code and I was confused by everything. And I was like, this is just a story, Sarah. And when I, because in at Service Champions, like I started to really think about how the client is the hero, not the technicians, not the team. Yep. It's the client, like solving their own problems and taking that first step of initiation to solve their problem. And so when I started that approach, I took it to the commercial level. I took it to direct mail. I took it through everything. And I redid all of our marketing from a storytelling approach because that's what's relatable, right? And so it really just changed our marketing to this day. And I do it here at Service Titan too. Yeah, you have to be the guide like Yoda, not Luke Skywalker. You're not the hero. Like you're you're, you're Yoda showing them like how to complete the mission that they want, their end goal, which is solving their problem. You're not the the hero that's going to come save the day. They are the hero at the end of the day. That's a great point. I read a book that had that in there. I think was y'all probably did as well. I think it was story brand. Is that Donald Miller? Yeah. Yeah. Story brand. Wizard of ads is also a really good one to read. Cool. I want to just wrap this up and give a little time for Chris and Sarah to like show wherever that people can find them, talk to them. I know Chris also has a new book that came out. So if you want to learn more about strategy and tactical stuff in the the industry, you should go get his book. Yeah. Thanks Daniel for that. So the, the book in itself, it's called it's go time. And not only is go time a rallying cry to take action, but it's also lessons learned. As I started learning from other contractors and other successful people, 
I saw a very common theme and the word go time is actually an acronym. So it starts, the, the G is goals. You know, you got to start by knowing what you want. And the O was observe. It was go out and learn from others who had already done what you want to do. The T is for take massive action, which Sarah alluded to earlier, which is how we get things done. And then the rest is about a process of improvement. So the, the I is for inspect. This is we've got to, to measure, right? We've got to track things, even in our marketing, our, our numbers, our, all these analytics. And the M is for modify. It's always be improving the, the results of the, of the action we took and the numbers that we inspected. And the last is the E, which is engage. It's stay engaged with the people, your customer, and your team. So if anyone wants to check out It's Go Time, it's a, it's a lesson of things I learned in, in business and in the contracting world along with a mentor of mine, Ben Stark, that co-wrote it with me. So he, he was very instrumental in my growth. So, and it, you can go to gotimesuccessgroup.com and it's on there. Awesome. Yeah. We also created the Contractor Playbook, which is really big for Service Titan. And that gives you a guide as to, you know, how do you run a, a contracting business? And like I said, we know a lot because we've learned a lot. We've listened and we've failed forward and we've grown big. So, you know, continue to learn from others and where you can find me. Well, I'm at Service Titan and you can find my first and last name and at servicetitan.com and email me whatever questions you have. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn and I'm all over their Facebook group. So that's, yeah, that's where I am. <laughs> that's a great, that's a great point. So the, the thing about the contractor playbook at Service Titan, it's a living, breathing document. So the beauty is we have a, an internal Facebook group called the Service Titan Masterminds, and we are learning from each other. And as we harvest these ideas, they're going in this contractor playbook. We're all getting better together. So it, it really is an awesome community. It's why me, after even growing and selling a business, I could maybe just be sitting around on a beach somewhere. I don't know. But you know what? I love the story of Service Titan and the change that it makes with customers. So I wanted to be a part of that. So that's why I'm even here. Same with you, Sarah. I mean, it's what attracted you to service time. Yep. Yep. I wanted to help one to many and I wanted to help watch them grow. Like what an honor. What an That's honor it is every day. Well, we thanks. work with cool people like Daniel. Yeah. yeah Thank you, Daniel, that? for having us. This is awesome. Yeah. yeah. Daniel, by the way, listeners, I listen to his podcast because it's full of knowledge and contractors. This is what I really want to encourage. You should listen to other great marketers, not just contractors, because these people know what they're talking about. So I've learned a lot from Daniel and also watching him on LinkedIn. Oh my gosh, mind blown about what he's accomplished on there. So thanks, Daniel, for, for continuing to teach me. Yeah, thanks for hyping me up there, Chris. And I I definitely hype you up if contractors, you should reach out to Chris if you have any questions, because I've learned a lot about this industry from Chris and I just learned a lot from Sarah too. Thank you for joining and I can't wait for the listeners to hear this and get this out to the world. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Go time. Yeah.